Chapter 9 One of the Blessed Trinity The life of faith depends upon our profound belief in the divinity of our Lord. To really grasp that our Lord Jesus Christ is God, it is helpful to consider His interior life, and in doing so, we encounter there the Holy Trinity. Our Lord possessed the beatific vision in His human soul, and so lived by the glory of the Blessed Trinity. And as He was Himself God, the Son of God, all the more did He live by His divine nature of the life of the Holy Trinity. The interior life of the Blessed Trinity is the first of our dogmas. It is the basis, the essential dogma, of our faith. It is impossible to be a Catholic if one does not believe in our Lord or in the Blessed Trinity. For who is our Lord if not one of the persons of the Blessed Trinity? We cannot believe in our Lord without believing in the Blessed Trinity. Equally, to not believe in the Blessed Trinity is to not believe in our Lord. All of this is intimately connected. Certainly, it is an unfathomable mystery. Nevertheless, we can try to understand this mystery a little, as much as our Lord has revealed it to us, not by reason, but by faith. The Catechism of the Council of Trent gives a brief summary of what the faith teaches us on this subject. We believe that our Lord is truly the Son of God and that He is one of the persons of the Blessed Trinity, consubstantially united to the Father and to the Holy Ghost, and that He thus possesses all the attributes of God, all the privileges of God, because He is God. This aspect shows our Lord Jesus Christ in His true stature. Do not see in our Lord Jesus Christ just His humanity. Certainly, it is easier to imagine our Lord as the man he was, a child at Bethlehem and Nazareth, and then the man preaching in Palestine and crucified on the cross. We can and must imagine him thus. St. Thomas Aquinas says that our prayer cannot separate us from our Lord Jesus Christ if we consider him in his humanity, because the humanity of our Lord necessarily leads us to his divinity. While we must purify our minds of worldly images that could distract us in our prayer, the humanity of our Lord can never be a distraction because it is intimately united to His divinity. We must constantly remind ourselves that His humanity cloaks the divinity, and that is a miracle that our Lord was not always radiant as when He appeared on Mount Tabor during the Transfiguration. Normally, he should have been radiant and have had a glorious body because he enjoyed the beatific vision. But in order to die for us on the cross and to suffer for us, our Lord wanted to really wed our mortal condition, such as it is, capable of suffering and death. Speaking of the Apostles' Creed, the Catechism of the Council of Trent says, the name of Father implies that in the one essence of the Godhead is proposed to our belief not only one person, but a distinction of persons. For in one divine nature there are three persons, the Father, begotten of none, the Son, begotten of the Father before all ages, the Holy Ghost, proceeding from the Father and the Son, likewise from all eternity. 
In the one substance of the divinity, the Father is the first person, who with his only begotten Son and the Holy Ghost is one God and one Lord, not in the singularity of one person, but in the trinity of one substance. That is why one can say in all truth that we have only one God, our Lord Jesus Christ, because our Lord is God the Son, and because God the Son is never apart from God the Father and God the Holy Ghost with whom he makes one God. What we believe of God, we must proclaim the same of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tu solus sanctus, tu solus dominus, tu solus altissimus, Jesu Christe. You alone are our Lord. And this is what St. Paul says in the epistle to the Ephesians 4, 5. Unus dominus, una fide, unum baptisma. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We do not have two or three lords because we have only one Lord. We do not have two or three gods. We have only one God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, that is to say, God the Son with the Father and the Holy Ghost. It is a mystery, the mystery of our Lord Jesus Christ. This mystery is for us also a source of consolation because when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ in us by Holy Communion, we must know that we receive our Lord and consequently the three persons. In fact, our Lord cannot separate himself from the other two persons. He is the Son of God consubstantially and essentially united to the others. He is inseparable from the other persons. The Council of Trent makes this clear. These three persons, since it would be impiety to assert that they are unlike or unequal in anything, are understood to be distinct only in their respective properties. For the Father is unbegotten, the Son begotten of the Father, and the Holy Ghost proceeds from both. Thus, we acknowledge the essence and the substance of the three persons to be the same in such wise that we believe that in confessing the true and eternal God, we are piously and religiously to adore distinction in the persons, unity in the essence, and equality in the Trinity. Hence, when we say that the Father is the first person, we are not to be understood to mean that in the Trinity there is anything first or last, greater or less. Let none of the faithful be guilty of such impiety, for the Christian religion proclaims the same eternity, the same majesty of glory in the three persons. But since the Father is the beginning without a beginning, we truly and unhesitatingly affirm that he is the first person. Evidently, when we say first person, we immediately have the feeling that the Father existed first because there was the Son and the Holy Ghost. But there never was a moment, not even a thousandth of a second, when the Father would have existed without the Son and the Holy Ghost. They have always existed consubstantially. And that is God. He is eternal. He is this is what our Lord replied to the Jews who said to him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham was made, I am. John 8, 58 
By speaking thus of himself, our Lord Jesus Christ affirmed his eternity. Our Lord was indeed born in Bethlehem, hence he began. This is true. Yet, taken as a person, our Lord, who is a divine person, is eternal. He always existed. As man, by taking a body, he began in time. This is also a great mystery. Did the Incarnation add something to our Lord, to the Word, and hence to God, since the Word is God? Certainly not. This seems incomprehensible to us, and yet it is true, because nothing can be added to God. That is evident. We find ourselves here in the presence of mysteries that are beyond us, but which are nonetheless realities. These mysteries correspond to a necessity. There must be mysteries. It would, after all, be abnormal if there were no mysteries for us, because that would mean that we have nothing more to learn from God, and that our little knowledge would be equal to that of God, which is utterly impossible, because the divine knowledge, like God himself, is infinite, whereas ours is finite, limited. Footnote but also because the intimate life of God, the life of the Trinity, as well as the incarnation of God the Son, constitute an order of reality that is supernatural, as the First Vatican Council taught in its dogmatic constitution Dei Filius on Revelation. This supernatural order exceeds the capacity and the requirements of all created natures.